Hello, everybody. We are Ken and Lisa Henderson. We'd like to welcome you to the Faith Works Podcast, and thank you for tuning in. We are going to be looking into the lives of ordinary people, and we'll be examining how faith in God is working in their lives and how it will work in yours. We are very excited to bring you testimonies, release prophetic words, and examine Scripture, which will cause your faith in Jesus Christ to grow. Thanks again for joining our conversation. Welcome to the Faith Works Podcast. Shalom, and thank you for joining us on Wisdom from Above. My name's Pastor Ken Henderson. And I'm Lisa Henderson. And we're the pastors at Salt Life Church on Merritt Island, Florida. Today we're going to get right into the Word of God, and we just want to talk about some things that's really relevant to everyone because we want to go back to the simple gospel, and we just want to talk about what what we need to do as Christians and what Jesus has already done and then what we should do as Christians. And so we're going to start in the book of Jude, and we're going to go to Jude, and it's only one chapter. So verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we're saved through grace and through, or by grace through faith and there's evidence that's found all through the Bible and we're going to look at some different verses and we're going to talk about those things today but it's really important that we understand salvation and how critical it is not for just some people but for everyone because whether you want to talk about it or not the truth is we're all going to die and at some point in time you're going to cross over into eternity and we will need to know that we are ready to meet the Lord. So we're going to look at different scriptures today. Matter of fact, this was kind of brought on because some of my friends that I went to school with, uh, really, my classmates have been dying really regularly, and it's been disturbing to me. And every time somebody passes, it reminds me of how important that salvation really is. So right. we're going to look in the scriptures today and we're going to get right back to the heart and the basics of salvation. And so we're going to begin in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, one of the things that I find funny is, is, is when he comes to him, he said, good teacher. And Jesus says, there's not anybody good except for one, and that is the Lord. And then he turns around, these are the things you must do. And the guy says, I'm good. <laughs> I thought it's kind of irony to see this, the one who was perfect the one who kept the law perfectly, 
the one who fulfilled the law in keeping it perfectly was standing before him. And when he was standing before him, he said, I'm not good. I'm not the guy. Only God is good. And then the guy turns around and says, you know, I've done all this. I'm, I'm good. Right. I, I, I'm, I've really got it going on. And there's a lot of people that feel like that they are good to go because of their behavior. So a lot of people feel like good behavior is enough to get them into heaven. In reality, it is not our good behavior. And I've seen several times where different people have said, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever done this or that or the other? And the, and the answer to that is always, yes, I have. Well, when they do that, then, you, then the Bible calls you a sinner. And so since we are guilty of sin, we got to go back to what the Bible says about sin, how it will cause you to be depraved, not only in this life, but in eternity. Therefore, we got to go back to the scriptures, which tell us that there had to be a sacrifice for sin. Right. And so we're, we're going to um, be examining that as we go. One of the things that struck me about the scripture um, in verse 21, it says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, even in his lack, even knowing that he still was falling short, he still wasn't measuring up, although he kept the commandments, that there was still one thing that he was missing. It says Jesus loved him. He looked at him and loved him. And friend, maybe you're watching today and, and you know, maybe you haven't kept the commandments at all. And, and you, you don't struggle with feeling like, okay, I've got it together and done good. And so you feel like you're unlovable. And how could Jesus love you? And I just want to say Jesus still loves you because without the grace of Jesus, without his blood covering us, we're all lacking. We're, no matter how good we are, you know, if Mother Teresa, which is a hero of mine who did so much so well, if she did not know Jesus as her personal Savior, and this actually makes people angry, but if Jesus wasn't her personal Savior, all the good she did, she still lacked. And mm. so, you know. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is there's a lot of times there's one thing people are trying to hang on to. And it seems like there's a wrestling match in the spiritual realm to try and get something that's really not good for you out of you, but you people still try and hang on to it. His wealth, his riches, were not going to do him any good. Now, when we find out who this guy is, because Polycarp reveals it in his writings that this was actually Barnabas, who would later accompany Paul. And so when, when we find that out and one of the early church fathers says that this is who this was, we see that eventually he did do exactly what Jesus said, and, he, and that was to, to, to come into the full salvation and knowing. And I don't know if he sold all that he had, but at some point in time, this had to kick in. And so he took that, and, and he took that advice, and he became saved. And then not only did he become saved, after he got the freedom from it. You see, there's something about things having you. It's one thing to have things. It's another thing for them to have you. And there's something about that. It really wasn't the amount that he had necessarily. Jesus was really dealing with his attitude and his heart saying, you know, this one thing you lack, this is more important to you than, than salvation is to you. So when you see that, it really makes a difference. So we got to understand that 
God calls us to give up things that really are beneficial to us in yeah. the long run. Jesus has a way of putting his finger on the things in our life that, that we have made into idols or that one thing we don't want to get rid of, that one thing that we're struggling with. And he did that with, with this man. And he, you know, very lovingly still, he wasn't accusatory. He wasn't condemning. He said he looked at him and he loved him. But he said, in truth, there's still one thing that you lack. This is an issue. So you say it's not the fact that you possess great wealth. It's the fact that the great wealth possesses you. It's that it is controlling you. And, you know, we Jesus don't want us to be a slave to anything. He's wanting us to have freedom. And anything he asks us to give up, as you just said, is for our good. It's for our benefit. We don't often see it when we're struggling to, to hold on to it. Um, and we're wrestling with him about it. And it's just this one thing, you know. Um, and here he's saying, I've done all that you've asked. It's just, you know, and then the Lord says, but this one thing you lack. And the Bible says here that, that he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. We just got through looking at the scripture in Mark chapter 10, but we're going to move on to Romans chapter 7. And actually what it does, it deals with the wrestling match that we have that goes on in our lives as Christians and, and on an ongoing basis in the struggle that most of us do. So we're going to be looking at quite a bit of scripture in Romans chapter 7, and we're going to talk about that as we go. Okay. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You know, one of the things that's going on is the Apostle Paul is comparing this to a marriage. And this isn't, some people use this as a way to try and condemn people if they've been divorced. And this is not exactly what it's talking about. He's saying the principle is, as long as I'm married to you, then I'm bound by that covenant, those laws, those agreements together. But if something happens that you pass away, then that that is then I'm free from it is really what it amounts to. And so he's saying we were one time married to sin, and yet now we're no longer married to sin, but we have been liberated from that and we're going to get into but the the point is the law of sin no longer has a rule in our life and so thank god it doesn't Amen. because we we do wrestle now i want us to get into this and look at this because this gets really interesting to me uh, verse 5 says for when we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death right. this 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 thing of sin the wages of sin is death. and so the gift of god is eternal life. life but as long as we're in this this moment of where we're we're subject to the death based on sin it's really critical that we get out from under that yeah. because if we don't it's going to bring about death physical death physical death and you know there, there, I, i've said this in the past and 
let me just let me just go ahead and say this, uh, and maybe this example will help you. If somebody abuses themselves through food, or through drinking, or through drugs, through alcohol, through smoking, promiscuous and acts. The, prom, promiscuous acts, and they do this thing year after year after year, and then they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank God He forgives that sin. However, all those seeds can come up. Now, God, being who he is, can wipe that out. But at the same time, if you're not careful or or if you're not walking in his grace that way, and if he doesn't see fit, those wages of sin will come up in such a fashion that people have died from it. And And they might say, well, you know, I asked the Lord to forgive me. Yes, he does forgive us of the sin. However, when King David, if you remember the story of him and Bathsheba, when, when we see that story, he was forgiven of that sin, but the reproach stayed with him still today. People talk about right. the reproach that's there. We had a, a, a precious lady attended our church, and she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And we went to see her in the hospital, and of course she was devastated and um, trying to hold it together. And she said, you know, to us, she said she has so many friends saying, we don't understand why did God do this to you? And she said, God did not do this to me. I did this to me because she smoked for years and years and years. And I loved that she realized God was not punishing her, but the laws of sowing and reaping were coming up in her life even after salvation because that's what happens many times. So verse 6 says, but now we have been delivered from the law. Amen. Having died to what we were held to before. Right. So that we should serve in the newness Newness. of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And then then we're we're definitely going to get into uh, a difference in the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and thank God we're not subject to the letter of the law because if we were subject to the letter of the law we'd all be in trouble yes but the spirit of the law makes a difference and so so we're blessed to be in that verse 7 says what shall we say then is the law sin no certainly not on the contrary I would not have known sin except for the law for I would not have known covetousness unless the law said you shall not covet But sin, taking opportunity by commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law of sin, uh, for for apart from the law, sin was dead. So it's, it's explaining to us that the law really was the educator or the schoolmaster which taught us what sin was about. And as long as we were under the law, sin reigned in our lives. So picking up in verse 10, it says, And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So there's a problem. There in life, I'm still human. Right. 
And if I'm not careful, and, and, and Paul's about to, to get into, man, this is, this is where a wrestling match is going on because I'm still human. I get upset. I have bad days. Uh, I, was, I was telling my church the other day, you know, uh, somebody cuts me off in traffic. Things that I thought I had victory over and would never have problems. Wrong way, wrong day, and all of a sudden I find myself doing or saying things that I otherwise would not do. I'm not, try, I'm not saying go out and find somebody to cut you off in traffic and it's okay to sin. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, I have the wrestling match that goes on when something happens. Right. For what I am doing, I do not understand. This is verse 15. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Here's the wrestling match of the ages, man, and it's just going on, and it's uh, it's, it's ongoing. And I think if the Apostle Paul confessed it, that, hey, I'm struggling, uh, I think it's okay because, you know, we grew up in a church where many times we were taught sinless perfection. What we found is in reality, it just doesn't exist. And most people become disillusioned when, when you're held to a standard of sinless perfection. Now, you can do real good for, for periods of time, but some point in time, your human side will pop up. And I know it's supposed to be dead. I know we're supposed to crucify the flesh. And, but at the same time, it happens. And then in Cajun term, we get fashed, we get upset, we, we, we have a problem that arises, and all of a sudden we find that the things that I wouldn't do, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. And the things that I want to do, like doing what the right things are, sometimes we just struggle with that. And, and so we really struggle. So if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Read that for us again. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, in other words, what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that is what I practice. No. For now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What, what I want you to see is that, that, that term warring. It is a war. You know, um, I, I was listening to, I, I believe it was John Hagee earlier in this week, and he said, let me just tell you, as a Christian, there is going to be a war as long as you live. And I, I believe he's correct. The Apostle Paul was saying, there's a war that's going on here. Yes. I'm trying to do the right thing, and yet no, I can't do the right that's thing. Right. And so there, there's so much that's, that's in these verses that we need to see. But thank God for Jesus who gives us the victory yes. that through him 
we can kind of overcome these things and have confidence in our salvation. And if somebody's listening, you may be thinking, then what's the point? It seems hopeless because, you know, here Paul is, is, is struggling with this. He's warring with it. We've all been through that war. And I love in verse 18, he said, for I know that in me, in other words, that it, that's in my flesh, not his soul, not his spirit, nothing good dwells. For it, for to will is present with me. In other words, it is my desire. It is my will to do good. But how to perform it, he said, I can't find that. Like It's my desire to do good. Maybe you've been there. It's my desire to ignore those 12 Krispy Kreme donuts. That's my <laughs> desire. But the will to ignore them may be the problem. So he said, so the will I, I, I want to do, I can't do. The bad that I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. And so, you know, be thinking, that's me. You're describing me. That's where I'm at. And, you know, there's nothing good in my flesh. So it seems hopeless. Paul thought so, you know, too, because I'm in this war. And he goes in verse 24, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Maybe you're thinking that. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death, this flesh that keeps betraying me? And he says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the might I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You know, and I, I think about the scripture in Galatians, I think it's Galatians that says that if we walk in the spirit, we will not obey the lust or follow the lust of the flesh. So one of the ways to overcome this battle is we really have got to continue walking in the spirit daily because it seems like the moment that we allow our flesh to get out of control and we follow and walk in the flesh, we're going to start making mistakes. We're going to start doing things we're not supposed to because that war that is continually going on around us, that's going on in our mind, he said that, you know, um, there's that war, the, the battlefield of the mind. So it's, it's a great book by Joyce Meyer, by the way, the battlefield of the mind, because that's where it starts. You know, your flesh is wanting something, your mind's, you know, trying to justify and make excuses for it. And you've got this war going on. Uh, it's, you know, I used to watch the Flintstones and um, Fred always, you know, he, he was always getting in trouble. And if you remember, he always had this little Fred that got on his shoulder that was the devil and then this little Fred that got on his other shoulder that was the angel and they were constantly arguing in his ear don't do that you know not you don't need to do that and the other one was giving him all these excuses as to why he should do that and you know friends sometimes I feel like that's going on uh, with me and you may feel that way too but we don't have to follow the lust of the flesh and we don't have to obey and there is grace when we do mess up thankfully and Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Thank God for Jesus Christ. Yes, thank God for Jesus. And we need to understand that, uh, you know, if we're living around people, sooner or later, the war is going to be real. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I'm looking at my floor director and he's laughing yeah. <laughs> because it happens. And so we experience the war and, and you know, Thank God. You know, when, when the Bible was subdivided, it was put into chapter and verse, really, this this thought was ongoing. So we need to pick up chapter 8, verse 1. Yeah, therefore now there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so it's really important that we uh, see what, what the Scripture is telling us. Absolutely. And when you pick up a Scripture like that, I forget who taught me that when I was young, but a lot of people will just start right there, that scripture, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Well, when you see the word therefore, Go you have to look it. and see what it's there for. 
So look to the previous scriptures. In this case, we have to look to the previous chapter to see what's Paul saying. He just told you about this huge battle he's going through. He can't do it. He wants to do it. What he don't want to do is what he's doing. And therefore, um, there's now no condemnation because of Christ and what Christ has done in him. You know, one of, the, one of the things I want us to see is that we've been made dead to sin. However, we're not just dead to sin because Ephesians 2, 1 says, you have been made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in us as the sons of obedience. Among whom, go ahead, pick up verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God... But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand where we should walk. Let me just say uh, just a couple of closing remarks because believe it or not, we're out of time. And so I just want to say this. If you read the Bible, we're going to see this salvation thing as a twofold thing. You've pointed this out. I was listening to one of our shows actually this morning and, and you pointed out there, God does his part and he won't do our part, but we can't do his and he won't do ours. So therefore, this is what, what we need to see. Romans chapter 1 through 11 tells us what Jesus has done. Chapters 12 through 16 tells us what we should do. Chapter, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 tells us what Jesus has done. Chapters 4 through 6 tells us what we should do. And 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us there again what Jesus has done. And 2 through 5 says go and do. And so this is what we need so that we can have salvation. So if you want to go back and you want to research those chapters, you'll see exactly what Jesus has done to get you to do what you need to do in order that we can have eternal salvation because it's the most important thing. And friend, if you don't know the Lord today, let me just remind you how easy it is to get saved. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, you admit you're a sinner. B, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that God has raised him from the dead. We just celebrated Easter. And then C, you confess him as your Savior. And we'll give you scripture references to that. But we just want to take a moment and pray for you, pray with you today, and just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, God, as sinners in in a deprived state, and we just ask that you would just forgive us of all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, write our name in the Lamb's book of life, and take us safely home to heaven that we may be saved eternally. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, friend, thank you so much for watching today. We just encourage you to share this program with your friends. Uh, we're just really grateful that we are now in uh, 46 countries and six, 47. 47 countries and six continents. So um, anywhere that your family is, hopefully we'll be able to get to them and share the simple gospel with them. And if this program has blessed you, we want to give you the opportunity to donate. We are a 501c3, which means that you can get um, benefit from giving to us. And we just will put up a way for you to be able to do that. 
God bless you and keep you, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Faith Works Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to visit us at cornerstonegm.org for books, blogs, movies, and spiritual growth. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Lisa Henderson, and that's Lisa, L-E-S-A, and at Ken Henderson, or you can follow our ministries at My Salt Life Church and at Cornerstone Global M. See you next week.